Um, Heavenly Father, I just want to pray for Andrew as he brings a message with us to us today. We just pray that you'll just um, bless him to start with and then make him a blessing to us. Lord, we just pray that we'll have listening ears to hear exactly what you want to say to us and that you'll just open our hearts so that we will be responsive to that message. Thank you, Jesus, for loving us and caring about us and helped us to show that love through to other people. Amen. Amen. Thanks, Val. Good to see Val. Doesn't matter where I stand. All right. Hey, nice to see Well, <laughs> I can say nice to see you all. Nice to see you all in the chat. If you haven't been chatting in the chat, do that because it's great to do that. And um, we love seeing it. This morning I want to talk about um, worry. Why would we want to talk about worry? Um, have you ever been worried about anything? No, me either. I don't like to admit it, but I can be a bit of a worrier, and many people can be too. Um, we, we may not always be aware that we worry, because it can sometimes come out a bit sideways. Sometimes it comes out like anger or impatience or negativity or controlling behaviors. If we are worrying about something, then we're, it's going to catch up with us. And if our worry gets really out of control, it actually causes things like stomach ulcers and nervous breakdowns and relationship breakdowns. The results of excess prolonged worry can be devastating. The trouble with the burden of worry is that we're so used to carrying it around with us that it seems almost impossible to live without. The old English word for worry means, this is interesting, to choke. Feels like that, doesn't it? Or to strangle. Worry certainly has the power to choke our happiness. It's hard to feel good about life when we're struggling against a stronghold of worry. So how can we take worry out of our lives? It's a good time to talk about that, isn't it? The Bible claims that we can win over worry. In Matthew 6.25, Jesus is talking to his followers. He says, Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life. It's interesting how that's phrased, isn't it? It doesn't say, well, you know, you don't have to worry if you don't want to, or maybe you don't have to worry. He says, do not, do not worry. Well, you can say, Jesus, that's easier said than done, but that's what we want to look at this morning. It's God's truth. He says, do not worry. And whenever God tells us to do something, he always gives us the power and the ways to make it happen. So how can I stop worrying? Well, firstly, this morning, my first point is when worry Sorry, when God comes first, my worry is dispersed. Matthew 6, 33, the same passage in Matthew 6, at the end of the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus is given a... And he says, Give God first place in your life and live as he wants you to, then the other things will be given to you as well. So the point is here, our worry is taken... We overcome worry by putting Jesus first. Put God first in every area of our life. Until we do, we have a mixed priorities and we can be victimized by anxiety. Um, God says in the Ten Commandments, do not have any other gods before me. You know, sometimes it's good to look at our worries like an indicator, indicators, lights on our dashboard. And we see a light on our dashboard, we go, oh, well, something's wrong, we better check that out. Same with worry. Sometimes... Um, worry can be because we're putting that thing higher priority than God. 
and we're not trusting God with that area of our lives. And this is what this verse is saying. Give God first place in your life. And these things will then take care of, or God will take care of them. Not that they'll take care of themselves because they don't, but God will take care of them. One thing that can be out of order and cause us to worry are our priorities. Maybe we're putting more value on something temporary than on God and the things eternal. Before we can become followers of Jesus, it's natural to look out for number one. Because we don't know God. We don't know that he's there to look after us. But when we make a uh, commitment to God, we become his sons and daughters, he becomes our father, then suddenly we have someone who's taking care of us. Someone we can trust to look after the things that we can't. And therefore, Jesus says to us, do not worry. We notice back in um, verse 25, Jesus started talking about worry. He says, therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life. Now, I've heard that in the Bible when you're studying it and you find a therefore, you need to stop and look at what precedes that to see what the next verse is, therefore. And so we want to look at this, and if we go back to verse 24, which is just before verse 25, makes sense, doesn't it? It says, no one can serve two masters. So we're making this connection between um, not putting God first and worry. In a lot of everything I've just said, Jesus says, don't worry. What he did just say, no one can serve two masters. He will either hate one and love the other, or he'll be devoted to one and despise the other. He's saying every person must eventually come to the point in their life that they decide the number one question in life, who am I going to live for? Why do you think it um, like this? Have you ever tried to look at two things at the same time that are in the opposite direction? We can't do it, can we? I'm sure there's some animals in the universe, in the world that can do that. Remember the first time I caught a soul, you know, like a fish. And sits on the bottom, and his two eyes are in the top of his head. Weird-looking creature, and you can actually eat them. They're good eating. Um, but the way my eyes are, I can actually not look this way and that way at the same time. And so if I'm focused on something other than God, that will tend to consume me. That will become, could become my security, and then I feel responsible for it, and out of that flows worry. But if I focus on God and know that he's looking after me, he cares for me, he's got things under control, I can relax, I can receive his peace, and I can stop worrying. So firstly, to overcome worry, we need to make sure God's first. That's what Jesus is saying in this passage. Then we look at Matthew 6, 34. Um, second point is, when we live in today, our worries go away. A lot of people have been saying to me, how are you coping with the lockdown? So oh, just a day at a time. It's been a great lesson to teach us to live a day at a time. But that's actually how we're supposed to live all the time. Jesus says, therefore, do not worry about tomorrow. Yeah, we often worry about next week, next month, next year. Jesus is saying, don't worry about tomorrow, let alone next week, next month, next year. Tomorrow will worry about itself. What a good word. Every day has enough trouble of its own. Well, we know that, don't we? So what makes us think that we can cope with the worries of tomorrow when we're struggling to cope with the worries of today? And so Jesus says, live in today. He says, don't open your umbrella before it starts to rain. We don't do that, do we? You don't walk around with an umbrella before it's raining. He says, don't try and cross the bridge until you get to it. Every week there are two days we should never worry about. 
might be thinking Saturday or Sunday, or was it Monday and Friday? No, it's today, um, tomorrow and yesterday. Tomorrow and yesterday. We're meant to concentrate on today. Why should we live one day at a time? There's a couple of reasons we can give. In worrying about tomorrow and tomorrow's problems, we miss today's blessings. We don't enjoy the present because we're so worried about tomorrow. We're so caught up in what's going to happen tomorrow, we can't enjoy today. And secondly, we can't solve tomorrow's problems with today's resources. It's actually a a biblical concept. God has made our lives so that we live on a day-to-day basis. It doesn't mean we don't plan. It just means we don't worry about tomorrow. We plan for tomorrow, but we live in today. We don't worry about it because today's resources are not sufficient for tomorrow's problems. When Jesus taught the disciples to pray, he said, Give us this day our weekly bread. That's not what the text says. It says, Give us this day our daily bread. He only means for us to live in a 24-hour period. Early this year, when I was just doing some study on Philippians 3.14, I read this in a commentary. I loved it. It says, It is a deception to live either in the past or in the future, God wants us to press on in the present because the present is where eternity touches us now. Wow. I need to read that again. I wish I could. I need to memorize that. The present is where eternity touches us now. You want to connect with God more? Stay present. Stay, you know, the whole um, psychology industry has got into this mindfulness thing. You know what? Christianity's always been aware of mindfulness. Mindfulness is just really about being present. I'm present in the here and now. And if I look at this, it says that's where eternity touches earth. That's where heaven touches earth. Not in tomorrow, not in yesterday, but in now, in the present is where we best. Actually, I think it's the only place we can really connect with God is when we're present. So I invite you and encourage you to take Jesus' advice there and do not worry about tomorrow. So the other thing there is um, the future can be overwhelming if you think about it too much. It can get us down. We can realize, well, you know, we don't know what's going to happen. And we can blow things out of proportion, especially at times like this. God designed the future to come at us in bite-sized pieces. It comes to us in 24-hour segments, one day at a time. That's the way God intends for us to deal with our problems, just one day at a time. Um, we used to have a guy come into Nambor Salvos on a Sunday night, and a um, simple guy had had a hard life, and he'd been through rehab numerous times, and sometimes have a few drinks and come into church Sunday night. And he'd always request a chorus. And it was one, and he'd learn it in rehab. And it's a great chorus, one day at a time. Sweet Jesus, that's all I'm asking from you. And someone asked me this week, I was going, I was reflecting on this day at a time thing. And then I went back to what I was doing. I started singing this chorus. And I remember it says, um, yesterday's gone, sweet Jesus. And tomorrow may never be mine. Yeah, I think sometimes we live in the assumption that tomorrow is promised. It's not, friends. God just tells us to live in today. I encourage you to just enjoy today. 
I love the thing that Melissa's put up for us, our challenge this week, the treasure hunt. What a great way. And this is what they say about mindfulness and being present is you focus on what's around you. Hey, if you're living on the Central Coast or wherever you're living, we live in an amazing country. And one of the things we, Melissa and I have been doing is going to, you know, the beach or the entrance and sitting in our car. And, you know, I, I did some great office work from the car the other day so much so my battery went flat at the entrance but I was watching the entrance the water flow in I was talking on the phone it was just such a great environment and it helped me to be really present and so I encourage you to focus on the things around you and help allow them to help you be present um, in these days thirdly when we know God's cares when we know God cares we can let go of ours you know the Bible says cast your cares on him, when we know he cares, when we believe he cares, when we trust that he cares, then we can let go of our cares. Isn't that good news? If God cares so wonderfully for the flowers that are here today and gone tomorrow, won't he take care of you? You know, I was reflecting on a lady who was on the news the other night whose mother um, was in hospital, she was only in her 60s, and she contacted COVID in hospital and she passed away. And I thought, I don't even know whether there's kids are going to be able to go um, to the funeral and I was concerned about that and then I remembered something I heard Derek Prince say that you know what God cares about the sparrows and he had someone once say you know God attends the, the sparrows funeral it's like not one the Bible says not one sparrow falls to the ground that God doesn't see it you know what I don't know who got to attend that lady's funeral but God did God did he's present and he cares. And, and, you know, this verse, verse 30 says, if he cares for the flowers, how much more is he going to take care of us? Jesus is trying to make that point that God cares for everything, especially um, humankind. The presence of faith means the absence of worries. We trust God that he's in control. There's, we can't control. Um, the third step in overcoming worry is this. We can't control there many way our cares, so we may as well trust God. It will make life a whole lot easier to trust God to care for the things beyond our control. I love Psalm 125, 1 and 2. It's going to come up on your screen. Um, those who trust the Lord are as steady as Mount Zion. You imagine being as secure and steady as a mountain. Unmoved by any circumstance. How good would that be right now? I know some days I'm a little moved by the... <laughs> The, the current circumstances but we can be unmoved by any circumstance just as the mountains surround and protect Jerusalem so the Lord surrounds and protects his people can we receive that today you know one of the prayers I've been praying all through COVID is that all those I know and love and that's an awful lot of people won't get COVID well so far that prayer's been answered and I'm still praying that prayer that the Lord surrounds and protects his people and even beyond that um, we need to pray. Worry and trust are opposites. They actually can't live together. When worry comes in the front door, trust goes out the back door. Worry will live in our home until we invite our trust in God to come back in the front door and push worry out. Let's fill our minds with thoughts of God's goodness and faithfulness and we will grow to trust him more, to reflect in the word of who he is. What I love um, about the Bible is it's like our our um, 
you know, I do believe in insurance. I know it feels like a bit of a ripoff, but it gives us that assurance that if something goes wrong, we've got a backup plan. And so, you know, we're supposed to read those insurance contracts and make sure we're covered for everything we pay that we're covered for. But you know what? The Bible is God's insurance contract to us. He says, this is what I'm committing in regarding, this is what you know, the Bible tells us what God is committing to in regards to our family, our finances, our health, our life, our past, our present. When we know it's covered in the contract, we can relax. I don't know about you, but when my, my insurance lapses or if I let it lapse or it's coming up close to date, I get a bit nervous. I get a bit anxious. I start to worry. But when I've got things in place and I know they're covered, then I stop worrying. And the same was when we know what God's promised to cover, we can stop worrying about it because he's promised to take care of it. So let's get into his word and let's find all those promises about our finances, our family, our health, our future, and trust him with those things. When God makes a promise, we can count on it. Remember the, the times his promises have proven true for us in the past. If you've journeyed with him in any period of time, even if you're a new Christian, you know, it's often when we reflect back on our life, we say, oh, God was there. I didn't know it, but he was there, and I can see. He was there, and he was there. And if he's proven faithful in the past, of course, he's going to be faithful in the future. And his word tells us that he's faithful anyway. I'd like to, um, so I want to ask you this morning, what are you worried about? I want you to think about it. What are the things, if you're worrying at the moment, if you've been worrying this week, what are the things you've been worrying about? Because I can almost guarantee we often worry about the things we can't control. And so I'd like to call on my um, magnificent assistant. It's going to come to the platform. We might need someone to scroll out for us, do we, or not? Going to make it work somehow. Now, what we want to do, and sorry, I should have given you this warning. If you've got a pen and paper handy, I want you to grab a bit of A4 pen, paper, and a pen, or something like that. And we just want to do an exercise, if that's all right. This is kind of a bit of an appeal time, but we're going to reflect on this in our appeal time. And so we'll just work through this. You ready? She's ready. Hopefully you can see this at home. Um, you know, normally when they do something on TV, they say, don't try this at home. Well, we want you to try this at home. So if you can do that and grab a pen and some paper and just do a couple of circles, probably bigger than what Melissa's done, if you can see that. And what we want to, um, in, in kind of counselling circles, they call this the circle of control or circle of concern, and you can have two or three or whatever, but we're just going to keep it simple this morning. And it's just an exercise that helps us to put on paper, what can I control? So the, the big circle on the outside is what I can't control, I cannot control, very good. And in the middle circle, what I can control. Now, I wanted to write things in there. Are we going to be able to do that? Is that problematic? You can write. I'm not. I'm talking. You're writing. Okay, okay. All right. So, for example, what I can't control. I can't control how much toilet paper is in the supermarket. I can't control that. I have no control over that. What can I control? I can make sure that I buy an appropriate amount of toilet paper when I need it. That's something I can do. Let's have another one, probably a bit more serious. I can't stop the virus, but I can make sure I'm healthy. I can social distance. I can wear a mask. I can get a vaccine if I'm comfortable doing that. 
So what can I do and what can't I do? What's another one? I can't protect my job. You know, oh, well, you can do, yeah, I can show up for my job, I can work hard, but actually my job security is out of my hands. And it's just great to identify what can I do and what can't I do. Because often we worry about what we can't have any control over anyway. And so when we focus on what we can do, we actually often stop worrying and, and um, yeah, we're empowered to, oh, I can do something about that. And the stuff in the outer circle that we can't control, we trust God that there's going to be enough toilet paper at the supermarket. Okay, the stuff out of our control is the stuff that we hand over to God. What else can't I control? I can't control how long lockdown will be. But gee, I can do the right thing. That might help it. <laughs> what can I do? Do the right thing. Do what your government asks you to do. I don't think they're asking anything too much, really. Um, what can't I do? I can't control how long it's going to go for. So let's make a distinction between that. You know, the other thing I can't control, there's a good one recently, because people have been disturbed with how much um, hatred's out there. You know, arguing against whether you get a vaccine or not, or, you know, people marching in Sydney. And you know what I can't control? I can't control other people's behavior. So stop trying to. But I am meant to control my behavior. See, sometimes we, we, we focus on other people's behavior because we don't want to face our own. And God doesn't tell us to control other people's behavior. He tells us to be self-controlled. Um, same with the emotions. I'm not responsible for other people's emotions. As I've gotten old, I've gotten so much better. I just let people be angry. They're allowed if they want. If they want to be sad, they're allowed to be sad. Their emotions are not my responsibility. It doesn't mean I don't empathize, I don't care, I don't show concern. But they're not mine to take responsibility for. But I need to take responsibility for my emotions. That's something I can do. Do you get the idea? So I just want you to, maybe you've jotted a few different things down there. You can jot a few more things down, especially in, you know, identifying what am I worried about? And when I think about it, does that fit in the stuff I can't control or does that fit in the stuff I can control? Well, if it does fit, and I doubt it will, but if there's something I'd be interested fits in the stuff you can control, then do something about it. But if it's in the section that you can't control, well, that's when we trust God. If he looks after the flowers and the trees and the grass, he's going to take care of all that stuff as well. So we're going to go to a um, song. Thank you for my beautiful assistant. You can take a bow. Woohoo! And um, I, I might pray and then I'll get Adam to play the song. And just uh, if, if you've been able to engage in this exercise, but even just to think about what are you worrying about? Can you control it? And is it the right time to just release that to God right now? Um, as this song plays. Lord God, we thank you that you do care and um, you are in control. And Lord, thank you for your word that helps us to see how we can get rid of worry. So Lord, we pray that we would allow, um, just shift our thinking, focus on you, put you first, realize that we're meant to live in today and not tomorrow and to know that you're taking care of us and you will, you have and you will take care of us so that we can stop worrying and just enjoy today in your presence and the gifts you've given us for today. We pray for that in Jesus' name. Amen.